This is Care Less, Do More. Welcome back to Care Less, Do More. This is your host, Michelle Parker, and I hope everyone's year is off to a great start. We are currently getting a ridiculous amount of snow here in Tahoe. The powder is deep and the vibes are high, with the exception of my back from shoveling and skiing my face off. Um, If you've been enjoying the show or not, go ahead and give us a review. We appreciate it and it helps us to continue to put out this content from the ski world. I'm so hyped to have had the opportunity to sit down with today's guest, Lily Bradley. Lily is an up and coming big mountain skier and took home her first free ride world tour win last year at the Kicking Horse event. I watched on the edge of my seat as she's also a close family friend who lives here in Lake Tahoe. And personally, I am beyond proud of her. Keep your eyes out for Lily. She's been getting her reps in here at Palisades and is so bright, funny, interesting, and just a breath of fresh air. Before we dive in, I'd like to thank our sponsors. Gotta give a big shout out to Peak Skis. They have this deal going on right now that ends on the 21st of January. It is the best deal I've ever seen in skiing. Buy a pair of Peak Skis and get the second pair for free. So if I were gonna do the buy one, get one deal, I would recommend that you get the 104 SC. It's been skiing incredibly throughout this storm cycle and it's been deep out there and the ski has been performing. It is slightly lighter Then the rest of the line, SC stands for side country, so there's less metal in the ski. Um, I ski the 178. I've got a pair with touring bindings and a pair with regular bindings as well. And then my second favorite ski would be the 98. I've fallen back in love with carving with this pair of skis. I've been focused on perfecting my turn and they've made me get on hill for that fresh corduroy, which is incredible. They rip, they're easy to ski, and you've got 30 days from the day you mount them to decide if you like them or not. We're direct to consumer, which means we can do fun things like that. So go get your quiver going and buy a pair of Peak Skis. Get a pair for free. Additionally, I'd like to thank Anon Optics for making the very best goggles humankind has ever seen. I'm not kidding. Their lens change system and magnetic face mask system are seamlessly integrated into the goggle, making them easy to use, warm, cozy, and protective of your skin in the harsh winter conditions. The face mask literally attaches to your goggle with magnets, a feature that I love. The lens also attaches with magnets, which makes it incredibly efficient. And uh, yeah, I think it's the fastest lens change system on the market. Anon styles are endless. There's something for everyone and different fitted faces. I'm a huge fan of wearing helmets as well. Can't stress that enough. The helmets match up for the perfect fit. Pro tip, always stay on brand with the helmet and goggle combo. It fits so much better and you won't get a cold forehead. Um, yeah, check them out. They just did a collab with Chantel Martin, my new favorite goggle. I personally like the M4S and I love the way it looks. Our guest on the show today is Lily Bradley. She's been competing in big mountain comps for eight years, since she was 12 years old. Born and raised here in Lake Tahoe, California, she grew up riding Palisades in 2021. Lily won the North American division of the Freeride World Tour Qualifier Circuit with a lead of over 1,400 points, which got Lily an invite to the Freeride World Tour. Last year was a big breakout year as Lily was one of the youngest competitors on tour and had multiple podiums, including a win at Kicking Horse. While Lily has been pursuing skiing at a high level, winning the qualifier circuit was a bit of a surprise. She's a second year social welfare student at UC Berkeley and balances both school and competing simultaneously. 
Lily's given a TEDx presentation, a spoken word on the fast fashion industry, which is a great reflection of Lily, her conscious effort to understand the world around her while bringing awareness to issues of which are often overlooked or considered to be the societal norms that cause harm to systemically minoritized groups. Lily is a return guest of the Out of Collective and has been on Big Stick Energy. For reference, it's episode 92. Definitely go give that a listen, maybe even before you listen to this one. Shout out to Big Stick Energy. Welcome to the show, Lily. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Michelle. <laughs> I'm excited to sit down with you and have this formal conversation because I feel like I've known you for a very, very long time growing up here in Lake Tahoe. Um, yeah, I actually don't know how long. Did you know me when I was a baby? I feel like you probably... I don't know if when you were a baby, some of my first memories of like looking at you and being like, that girl is so cool. It was like, honestly, watching you play the guitar at the farmer's market. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah with like the tip jar out in front totally yeah. <laughs> how old were you when you were playing that um probably like 12 or 13 yeah yeah a silly silly age to be <laughs> attempting to bus on the street it was amazing I loved it it was so entertaining um but you grew up here in Lake Tahoe talk yes. about your your like youth here in this amazing place um I would imagine it's pretty similar to like the way that you grew up um as far as just like having very outdoorsy parents who you know kind of like you know, checked out from like the hustle and bustle of society. And we're like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna say no to capitalism. And we're just gonna go camping all the time. And we're gonna get really into climbing. And we're gonna just bring our baby to the crag and put them on skis as early as they can stand. Um, so I think it was like a very classic small town dirt bag upbringing, I would say. I do really appreciate that about your parents. My parents weren't as dirtbaggy, I would say. They were definitely into like team sports. My dad was a pro tennis player, so I grew up like very much in that realm. But like the whole climbing and like backcountry touring and biking came to me later in life, like after high school, pretty much. I almost think that, okay, I don't think it's maybe better, but I do know that like as a kid, I did not, I did not appreciate touring. I was like, why are we going up this? Like, <laughs> this is the most ridiculous waste of my time. There's a lift that can take me up mountains. And like, I feel like I had to like rediscover it as an adult where I'm like, oh my gosh, you need endorphins to not get depressed. And then you can also go like ski touring to like get those endorphins. So I almost feel like you have to like rediscover. If you like grow up being like, we're gonna go on this nine hour bike ride and we're gonna bring no snacks and we're just gonna we're just gonna go suffer together you don't really want to like suffer as a kid yeah. so I feel very appreciative of the nature but I definitely think that I had to like rediscover enjoying suffering as an adult because that's not something that kids are really into totally I remember my first hike in the mountains I think I was 18 or 17 years old and I straight up like took a nap on the way and I was like I'm almost there radioing ahead to my partners and then I realized that there were like two ridges above me and I was like I am not almost there like how am I gonna make it there so yeah I get that did you like put out like your like thing or were you just like laying on the on the ground I was so smoked I was just laying on the ground it was in Los Lanias in Argentina that was sick and I was like, I think I like this, but I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you don't like it when it's happening and then you like get done and then your body gives you all the good chemicals and you're like, oh my, like this is the best day of my life. I can't believe I was crying 10 minutes ago. Like this is so fun. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it was a struggle to get up, but then I got up and I was standing in between two huge granite spires and a condor with like a 12 foot wingspan flew right over me. I was wearing all red at the time. So maybe he thought the condor thought that I was like bait or something. You do look like the size of prey. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, totally, <laughs> especially for a condor. And I was like, whoa, I could have touched it with my ski pole. And it was one of the most magnificent things I've ever seen. And that really did make me like it. Oh, that is super cool. Yeah. So growing up, like your parents took you to the crag and you were mountain biking and you were ski touring at a pretty young age. Yeah. Um, maybe not ski touring as much at a young age, but yeah, a lot of mountain biking. Um, and like, they're like, the, you know, like, I don't know if you do like the Shelton, if Shelton's ever taken you on a sandbag. Shelton's my dad. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're like familiar with like the Shelton sandbag, but it's like when your dad is like, we will be going on a two hour long bike ride. And then you like cut to like five hours later and you're like bushwhacking through the snow and you've run out of all snacks. There's no water left. You're both lost. <laughs> yeah. Like one of those. So a lot of like, yeah, a lot of Shelton sandbags. Um, I think that I'm a fellow sandbagger unknowingly. So I don't think I get like, I feel like if you're a classic sandbagger, you don't actually know that you're sandbagging people until you're in it. Mm -hmm. And you realize that like they're suffering more than they should be. And you just intended to take them on a good time. Do you think it's because you have an incredibly high suffer tolerance and you assume that everyone else has to be a tough cookie? I think I like it. I think I like it a lot. And I think that like, I tr- well, I'm better now because honestly, my partner Aaron has taught me not to sandbag him. And so I'm better now at like, okay, this is how many vertical feet we're gonna go. And this is the route. And he really likes to know like times and distance. And so I gotta like stick to a bit more of a plan, which is classic. But if it's me uh-huh. and like another s- sandbagger, then yeah no good that's funny because i remember the first time that i met erin was when we were doing like the epic tahoe day you know where you go and do like all the activities that you can do in tahoe and we were going and everything okay it was like me and i was like 12 years old and he was wearing like converse and we were like a mile and a half behind everybody (laughs) just like chatting for hours well everyone was like just like sprinting up the hill and we were just trying to make it Yeah, the sandbaggers are out front. Yeah, sandbaggers are always totally. out front. Not knowing that they're sandbagging. That's a classic sandbagger. Yeah. I just interviewed Jim Zellers yesterday. Classic sandbagger. A, totally. Yeah, but I don't feel like I've ever been sandbagging, so, sandbagged by him, so I didn't bring it up. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, I wish I had brought that up. Regardless, your dad's a sandbagger. Good to know. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. If, yeah, if Shelton never says we're going on a two-hour adventure, it's not going to be two hours. <laughs> what about your mom? Um, definitely not a sandbagger. She's very, I think, a very creative um, ball of light. Like, just one of those incredible people that, you know, I know that everyone says that their mom is, like, their best friend and the best person alive. But my mom is my best friend, and she's the best person alive. I love that. She's just, like, I think she has, like, a very special connection to the trees, you know. And she, I feel like she uses nature as, like, a meditation. And I don't think that she's very conscious about using nature as a meditation, but it's just like this core part of her humanity that she kind of passed on is that mm. like being outside is therapy and like just like taking time to appreciate things is therapy and being creative and like being self-motivated and just having things that give you like very very small pleasures, like creation and nature, that yeah. that is like one of the most important things about being a human being. I think that that's like something really special about her for sure. I agree. Your mom is incredibly creative. Like you have a arts and crafts room, an oh, entire yeah. room dedicated to arts and crafts. An entire house. arts and like, yeah, two sewing machines, just like lines and lines of fabric. You can get lost in this tiny, tiny little room because there's so much stuff in there. I love it though. It's like such an inspiring place to walk into. I'm like, oh, 
you could do so much. And then walking around your house, there's always these beautiful, like last time I was there, there's this really cool wreath kind of, I think that she had made oh, out of yours. Oh God, the Christmas wreaths. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, she also does the, I think she taught me something really useful is, which is like, when you like get a hobby, you need to get like way, way too into that hobby. You know, where like the, I'd like the Christmas wreath hobby. That was just like, oh God, like knickknack, like just like knickknacks upon baubles, upon baubles on our kitchen table for like probably like three weeks on end. And she's like <laughs> collecting all these like figurines from the thrift store and she's like spray painting everything all the time. And then she's like collecting moss from the trees. And she's like, when you go out, you need to get me more moss. And you're like, you're crazy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I think, <laughs> yeah, she gets very obsessive about her projects, which I, I think that's a that. good skill. Totally. I think diving in completely is something that I like to do too. And and mostly I feel like I do that on the athletic side. Like I'll dive into a sport and be like, okay, I got to climb this grade or like, I really want to race this race on my bike. Mm -hmm. I kind of wish I did it more with like music and artistic things, which I'm learning as I get older, help balance me out. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's something I'm really looking forward. God, I hope that it, I hope it gets better to like focus on other parts of your life and like prioritize things as you get older. Because it's just like, it's so hard to try and like get your head out of like the, like just like okay, so I need to go skiing five days a week because that is what I want my career to be, and I need to be strong. But then also, like you need to just be I don't know, like just like fulfilling your humanity in some kind of way. And it doesn't. It's not prioritized in our culture. Yeah, like nothing. N nothing about like I don't know just art or music or like it sounds cliche but like all of those things that just like make it worth it to be alive are just so secondary that you feel like it doesn't feel important to ever give those like precedent over you know a career or a job or school in our culture as a whole or in skiing specifically oh I don't know probably probably in our culture as a whole yeah I say yeah. yeah I think you're right but I think in skiing specifically too, like I've got caught in that like, okay, if I want to do X, Y, and Z, I have to like go to the gym on these days and then I have to go to the mountain and get my reps in. And then I really want to be fit. So I'm going to go hike like these amount of days during the week. And like, if I stray from that, sometimes I'm like, oh, uh, I'm not going to be the athlete that I want to be, but it actually isn't true. Like the things that bring you the most joy, I think make you a better athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it is very, yeah, it's like, yeah, you just get like absolutely sucked into just like the guilt of like, I need to, I need to accomplish, I need to ski seven days a week, I need to be super, super strong. And then you just like can't, it's just not fulfilling anymore almost. Like I got like super stuck last year, just like training every single day. And then I would like go on a run after I would go skiing or something or like, and it just, I kind of just, I kind of forgot about all the things that I actually really enjoy about life. Life which is like skiing is like it's this it's so silly skiing is supposed to be like it's supposed to be this incredible break from just like cap I don't know from just like your daily routine it's supposed to be this like magical connection between you and the mountains and like you and the wind and then you and your own like fears and motivation and then when you like I feel like when I tried to like take it really seriously and like treat it like a career instead of treating it like something that is an incredible privilege and a special, special thing, it just got, I got so burnt out so quickly. Yeah. And I was like, how can I do this? How do people do this forever? How do people go skiing like winter, like back to back winters and then go skiing all the time and like, 
I just don't understand. Like, and then I'm like, oh, it's because they found other things to fulfill themselves with. Yeah, there's other things too. But I think it like just to, I love what you just said, because like if you do take it super seriously, like it's a career, like when I started out, no one took it seriously. I feel like there wasn't mm. social media mm-hmm. and very few of my peers went to the gym and there was money like the sponsors were supporting you on these trips not necessarily in my pocket but like you went to x games and you had a house that you could stay at and you had food you could eat and like you were taken care of Mm -hmm. and so there was like no worries and i actually felt like it was so lighthearted. and then in came social media and came like self-promotion and all that and it kind of changed the entire game for me i'm so interested as to like how that's changed because i feel like i'm like i'm trying to like I'm trying, I want my job to be skiing and I feel like I've been trying, I've been raised in the social media age yeah. and like I, ca- I feel like I don't even have a vision like outside of like whatever like the cloth that's been put over my head like the social media cloth where I just have no idea what a career in skiing could have been like without just like the constant like we need three posts a month from you and we need this many pictures and we need you to post a story every time you're on snow and it just feels like so cheap and just like frivolous and excessive and stupid and, and I just, unauthentic and totally inauthentic so what I don't know what was it like before like social media you would show up for a photo shoot I think we had email we definitely had email I think we had email <laughs> yeah <laughs> or phone calls like Back you could just pick up was invented <laughs> yes <laughs> Now I'm dating myself. No, we definitely had email. I don't think I've used a fax machine, but um, <laughs> yeah, you just show up for a photo shoot and you'd like get to hang with a bunch of amazing people and you'd hit the jump or hit the rail or like whatever it was. And then that would be in a magazine and you'd be like, sweet, there's like photos of us in the magazine. Uh-huh. And it was cool. And that's how it was captured. Or you filmed for a video part. And back then, like I would compete in slope style and half pipe. And there was so few women competing. Like you could count on two hands probably less than 10 and then you would yeah you could do it all you could go to the photo shoot you could film your little video segment and that was your job and it was really simple and then you'd go to the movie premiere and you'd be psyched and and that was it but there was so much less busy work like that that is one thing that like today I'm constantly trying to find balance with and like have boundaries to like not get overly consumed by that work I think how do you like set up the barrier? I've been meaning to ask you this outside of the podcast or like a podcast. Let's go. Let's but, like, do it live. How do you set up a barrier between like you and your authentic self and then like the self that you, even just like outside of like whatever a career like and like having to promote yourself for skiing. How do you like, I don't know, social media is such a huge part of your life. It seems like how do you find authenticity and like put a barrier between yourself and that space? I have a really hard time selling something that I don't believe in. And so like part of that is aligning myself with brands that I truly believe in. And when you get to know these brands on a different level than just the surface, I feel like, like, I don't know, with Arcteryx or Red Bull or whoever it is that I, I that are supporting me and, and, and then therefore I support in return, there's so much authenticity in that relationship. So I really do believe in what I'm, I mean, at the end of the day, we're selling product, right? Like we're inspiring people, but like we are tools for a brand to sell product. You are. I'm just getting product, and sometimes they post me on their Instagram. <laughs> no page. way. I buy your mom's hats because you wear them. <laughs> but yeah, I think like I I have a hard time telling a lie, and like I think that that is just how I am on social media too. Like mm-hmm. I can't like fake it. I can't run an ad for something that I don't believe in or whatever. And like at the end of the day, I look at social media and I'm like, it's pretty easy to do. 
you can go out for your day doing whatever it is. You take a couple photos, you like post it, you put your phone down, you walk away. Mm-hmm. Like as long as you're doing that and like authentically tagging your brands that you work with, like I think it's pretty easy, but you can't get consumed by it or mm-hmm. have your self-worth be dictated by how many likes you get or how many views something gets. Like that's gotta go out the window, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like because I feel like I've started like totally like hinging so much validation on social media since it's become important to me. Like I was so anti-social media mm-hmm. and then I decided I was like, I would like to take skiing seriously, which means that I must take Instagram seriously, which means that every single like I get is a reflection of <laughs> my self-worth. And like, just like even outside of skiing, I feel like it's just like so easy to get just like trapped in like the fake social media validation yeah like yeah it's super real like check like oh my god how many people have viewed my story why do you care they're not even real people yeah they are real people but you don't know them they're not your real friends they're not your real friends yeah i think that's super interesting i actually think about it a lot because our industry it feels like a lot more people are talking about mental health right Mm -hmm. brands are even talking about mental health yeah we tricked them we tricked them into caring about something that we care about yeah (laughs) yeah but then you're like okay well if you're all about mental health then why do I have to make these posts on social media and and that actually deters my mental health so like I've tried to really just separate that Mm -hmm. and and I think I do an okay job with it but sometimes I get really over it and just like ditch it all together outside of like social media what kind of I I don't know what kind of uh mental health stuff do you do kind of do during I don't know the season to keep yourself healthy yeah I think that's a great question um Lily has spoken really openly on that big stick energy about her mental health, which I commend you for. Thank you so much for opening up about it. I think that's really epic. Um, For myself, I have a therapist and yeah, and she's amazing. And she and I speak, I try to talk to her twice a month. And um, when we speak, it's it's like an hour long. She's really good at giving me tools to like, Like sometimes I have a conversation, I'm like, I don't really feel like anything's wrong, but there's always room to grow. And so I'll think of something like she'll bring it out of me and she'll leave me with a toolkit to like go and do and apply on my own. Mm -hmm. And now that I've been working with her, I think for like five years now, and I feel like those tools are becoming habitual. Mm -hmm. So I don't need the reminder from her as much, but we're building on other things as well. Mm -hmm. And that's been hugely important to me. I think it was like, yeah, probably five or six years ago, I was not in a good space. And I was overwhelmed and felt a ton of burnout. And like, I wasn't meeting expectations and I couldn't be everything for everybody. And I tend to like overload my plate with as much stuff that I do within the industry. A lot of it now, I feel like I have a lot firmer boundaries, but it's a constant, like, I have to keep check of those boundaries for myself. And sometimes that means like what, like this past week, I walked away from my computer and like barely returned emails. Yes. Because you Lock have them all. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like delete all. I wish I could do that. Go off the grid, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or I've started to have like auto responders that are just like, hey, I'm, I'm capped. I can't have this conversation right now. Or just being really clear. Mm-hmm. One of the things my therapist says is uh, clear is kind. So speaking to someone and telling them your truth is like really important with mm-hmm. clarity mm-hmm. so that they understand where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. I think that's like the biggest thing that I have is like having that therapist. But additionally, like honestly, going for ski tours with my friends is what brings me the most happiness. So as long as I can kind of do that as much as I can, that helps a lot. 
It's, I feel like in the ski season, I kind of, I actually, I think we saw the same therapist for a sec. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. I'm like, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. she's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> she's so cool. I kind of stopped like going to her. I kind of was just like, I was like, oh, I have these tools in my toolkit and I'm doing so, so much better now. And I feel like I can like, I can take care of myself. But, and then I try, you know, it's just, you can't, you can't therapize yourself, unfortunately, <laughs> even if you have like incredible coping mechanisms and tools. You're just like, I don't feel like a therapist is just like a common sense filter who just like takes what you said and they're like, I don't know, they just take what they tell you and they give you like the most obvious, stupid truth about yourself. And you're like, how on earth did I not know this? It's so logical. It's so logical. Yeah. And so it's just like, I feel like I had, I, it's, it, I would like to go back to therapy because I totally thought I was like, ah, yes, I've been, I have the coping mechanisms, but no, there's just like always... Unfortunately, no one's ever done growing. Totally. <laughs> I think <laughs> I everyone I should see a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're all, we're all constantly growing. I mean, how old are you? 20. 20. Yeah. <sighs> so so much growing to do. There's like so much more work. I feel like I've like I've put in so, so much work and I'm like, wait, I have like, I have how many more years to live? <laughs> like how much more work to put in? That's exhausting. Yeah, but you're ahead of the curve. You are. You show up, like one of the reasons, we were just talking about this off air, but one of the reasons why I so admire Lily is that you show up unapologetically yourself and somehow feel incredibly confident in any space at any given time, no matter what you're doing. If you're playing the guitar at Farmer's Market or if you're doing your TEDx presentation, which I would imagine would have been really difficult to memorize your entire presentation, or if you're like at the Free Yard World Tour for your first year as this young competitor, new to that space, like you show up unapologetically yourself. Where does that come from? Oh, thank you. I think it's actually uh, because I'm incredibly anxious, which is really funny. Um, I actually thought a lot about this because all of my friends are all introverts um, and I'm like, wow, we all have so much anxiety. Like, why do you shut down? And I go like, I act like an absolute crazy person when we're in social settings. Why do I need to ask all these strangers all these super invasive questions that nobody <laughs> wants them, <laughs> wants to be asked? And then I like kind of dug into it. And I feel like it's like, like, you know, where you just like combat being super anxious in any situation with like, I'm just going to be the craziest, most manic version of myself, and then everyone will be laughing and entertained, and no one will have time to notice that I'm so incredibly uncomfortable. Really? So, so that's your coping mechanism? For sure. I think being extroverted is more of like a, nobody think about me or actually look into who I am. Everyone <laughs> just keep laughing and talk amongst <laughs> yourselves, and I'll give the jokes. For sure. I think that's, I don't think it's, I think it's authentic in the sense that I am an authentic person, but it's inauthentic in that I think most most extroverts or most people who like being smart asses are incredibly insecure or uh -huh. have a lot of self-doubt. So you would say, like, when I view you as being confident, you think you have self-doubt? Oh, I don't know. I think I am confident, but I also am like, you are an insane person and nobody likes you and no one actually thinks you're funny. But that's, yeah. That's all That's all fake, and it's all in my head. That's then, in your head, because yeah. I feel the opposite about you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's <laughs> glad to know that one person thinks I'm funny. That's good. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've been asking your entire family who the funniest person is in your family, Please. and you all kind of have different answers, though. My little brother. My little brother's the funny. I think the little, the youngest sibling is always going to be the funniest person in any family. He's just very funny. Yeah, they have, the mo they have like the most amount of funniness to absorb from everyone. Totally. You know? They're just little, yeah, yeah. absorbing everything. They're just absorbing 
absorbing everything and they get your dad's sense of humor and then they get like yeah your, your dad's mom. so funny too oh my dad's yeah he is funny but he's like mean funny where Cruz is like not mean f- my dad is an excellent human being but he's just like <laughs> stop poking it all I feel like you know like when dads do that when they're just like how did you find the one specific insecurity and then find a way to <laughs> twist it into some cruel hilarious joke that's amazing. I have Cruz's uh, school photo, high school photo on my fridge now. Oh, yeah. The one where he sharp, yeah, he sharpened a mustache on his face. Yeah, and he funny looks, kid. What is one of his friends? I think one of his friends said he looks like someone who, like, smokes in the bathroom <laughs> on recess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, classic. Your mom's also hilarious, too. Yeah, she is funny. I feel like women are, like, never think that they're, like, women, like, my dad or, like, my, like you know, he knows that he's funny. Yeah. My mom is super funny. I feel like women are just, like, conditioned to be, like, no, no, no. Like, you just, like, you're conditioned to always doubt yourself and mm-hmm. never think that you're as funny as the men in the room, even when you totally are. Oh, my gosh. Listening to her banter with her other close friend, Emily, makes me laugh, like, hysterically, actually. I kind of tune it out at this point. It's I like, bet you do. They're like noise. high school girls. Yeah, they're like high school girls. They're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, the ongoing joke in our family is they need to just get headsets so they can constantly communicate and they don't have to talk to anyone <laughs> ever again and they can just, like, chipper-chatter away forever. That's classic. So you got your creativity from your mom. Um, yeah. I, oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like creativity – I think everyone has creativity, but creativity is also, like, being able to have mastery of skills is, like, an inherited privilege in the sense of, like – um, you know, you either discover something yourself and you put in the financial resources to buy materials to do something, um, or, you know, like you have a parent who like gives you the resources to do something. And so I think that, I think I have this, like, I, I don't know, I have this like weird idea that like, I don't think people should be complimented on being creative or being mm. artistic because I feel like it's literally, it, it really is just like having the, I don't know, um, having the resources from a young age to pursue something anyone's resources are just like you can spend it you either have to spend it like making money from a young age you know how like early you get into the labor market determines how much time you have to pour into like getting I don't know just like painting or embroidery or guitar yeah leisure time is a privilege yeah leisure time is a huge privilege and so like I feel like creativity is definitely like it's just a huge privilege and so I'm not so sure that it's something that should be like a valued character trait and it's more so like I think all people are inherently creative and it just like it depends on how much time you have to pour into stuff that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Deep thinker. I like how you unravel all of these things. Oh, thank you. I don't. My mind, you, no. <laughs> yeah, you really do though. You're like extremely conscious. Yeah, I would say I don't like being this conscious. I, you I, think I, it hinders you? I do think it hinders me because I'm not actually that educated or smart. And so I have all these like weird conspiracies. You know, when you like, I don't know if you do this, where like you just like have insane conspiracies about the world, but you don't actually know what you're thinking about. You just like have insane conspiracies and nothing to back them up, you know? Like you tell yourself a story about X, Y, and Z and it's just in your head. Yeah. Well, like, okay, this one isn't like a real conspiracy, but I have this conspiracy. Okay. So my conspiracy. Okay. So alien. <laughs> yes. Give it to me. Okay. So I'm going to start with aliens. Okay. So aliens came on the planet. Okay. So aliens invented the shape of airplanes. Aliens own <laughs> the company Bone. Keep and going. Yeah. 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 You're nodding like you're like actually listening. Okay. And they made, okay, so they invented the shape of airplanes, and then their UFOs are also shaped like airplanes, and so nobody will ever be able to tell when there's UFOs, because they all look like airplanes. Damn. Isn't that? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, Southwest, do you think they're aliens? I think, 
I know, just I, grounded I just think all their the planes. Owners, I think the owners are alien. And then you like step into the, I don't know, I feel like anytime you step into like an airplane, you're like, hmm, this space is not quite right in some way. <laughs> I don't know if you get that I sense. think it's a trip that we're flying overseas in these massive like aircrafts. Like every time, I'm like how does this thing gonna leave the ground? Like this is incredible. Yeah, it is really incredible, especially when you like accidentally take a little bit too much of like the weed gummies that you brought on the plane, and you're like, we're in a metal box and we're over the ocean and we're all gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the paranoia hits. Yeah, yeah, gotta go indica. Gotta so, go. Oh, hard lesson to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Sativa go gives you paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> I love that conspiracy. Lily's conspiracy theories. You could start an Instagram account. Do you want to start a separate account? podcast where we just list conspiracies that we believe that in? That we make up. Yeah. We just yeah. make up conspiracies. That avalanche beacons are government tracking devices. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Mm, yeah. Careful when you put that thing on. That's just kidding, everyone. Theory. That is not a conspiracy theory. Where are your beacons? <laughs> <laughs> Start like a movement of anti-beaconers on accident. <laughs> no, this is not good. Okay, uh, we digress. Um, so yeah, you are incredibly creative though. Like there's been times I used to give you my hand-me-down clothes because I think, did you do this for a year? You didn't purchase any new clothes? I feel like I did it for like a long time. Yeah, How many years? Many, How I don't long? know. I feel like I, did, I didn't really keep track. It was more just like a conscious, like good, good habit yeah. to not buy any new clothes. And I've since broken the habit because... I've kind of like, I feel like the, like the myth of like, I still believe in consumer respons responsibility if it's an organized effort, if they, you know, if it's a boycott of some brand that will genuinely impact the brand sales. Um, but I feel like there's just, just the whole system is like so broken and my teeny tiny purchases are not contributing that much to any kind of change. And so I'm all about organized efforts, um, but I am a little bit, I'm a little more weary of consumer responsibility because I think it shifts a lot of the blame away from you know, like when the actual like, company, yeah, from the actual companies, and they're like, everyone needs to take shorter showers and buy hybrid cars, and you're like, well, yes, but also we need better energy initiatives, and like, there's all this, you know, like, yeah, all this stuff we need to do, larger scale change, yeah, yeah. What we do is a drop in the bucket, but I think that I like to think of it as like what I do is a daily reminder to contribute to that larger change. Hmm. Like if I don't use my dryer, for example, I hang dry all my clothes. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's just like when I'm taking the time to do that, because it takes extra time and energy and effort to do it, mm -hmm. like human energy, not energy from the grid. Mm -hmm. um, it is a daily reminder of like, why do I do this? I'm mm -hmm. doing this because I care about the planet in this way. And like, it's one more step that I can take that, I don't know. I don't think of it as like, I can change the world by doing that, but it's mm -hmm. just a reminder of, yeah, we got to create larger scale change. I feel like I've been kind of sucked into the nihilism of just like the obscenity of the climate crisis where I've like, I've so little, I have so little belief in like the power of my own actions where mm. I, like I can't even find like peace or like happiness in like riding a bike to work because I'm like, what is it? Nothing's happening. <laughs> this isn't going to do anything and my right. life is meaningless. Yeah. But environmentalism is something that's super important to you, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, it's not something that I'm studying or very, like, incredibly knowledgeable about the science of environmentalism, but as a practice, yes. Yeah. What do you do, like, to contribute to that? I mean, other than, like, carbon offsetting flights and, like, cars and that kind of stuff, um, I don't know. I feel like just, like, the average granola kid stuff where you just, like, I don't know, bring your own mug places and you try and just, I don't know, try to reduce your own personal waste. What do you do? 
I think these small efforts are huge, but like I will campaign for different political parties locally and knock on doors, make phone calls. I um, have been to Capitol Hill and lobbied at Capitol Hill. I've spoken to congressmen and women and Congress people about these issues. And a lot of that stuff was really intimidating to me at first, but mm -hmm. that is like, you know, I said those like smaller things like bringing my coffee cup or my reusable grocery bag are reminders to do those bigger things. Mm -hmm. And I haven't lost hope on the change that we can create collectively if we all do those things, like mm -hmm. get people to vote and show up and have those conversations about which political parties are creating change and 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 also have the conversations with the opposing party and like learn from them mm -hmm. and understand where they come from. I haven't lost hope on that. I feel like I've, if I lose hope on that, then then I'm not gonna do anything and I don't wanna be stagnant. Oh, that's like such a dream to go and like speak with those kind of people. Was that intimidating to like- Oh my to, gosh, yes. Yeah. It was the most intimidating thing. I was like, what do I wear? We're going to Capitol Hill. <laughs> what am I? Well, that's the first question. <laughs> not what am I gonna speak about or how will my actions impact my community? <laughs> what am I gonna wear? Yeah. Oh, you just called me. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well also like showing up in those rooms and sitting down with these like people who you think are incredibly powerful and they can make these huge changes and then you realize that they're just humans too. Mm -hmm. And hum to be human is to be imperfect. And so sitting down with them, I think when I would like to go again, because I learned a lot the first time. The first time I was more or less like, I was a lot quieter than I would be now, I think. I think I've developed a lot more opinions and I was young and it was my first time and like, I don't know, or like speaking at a town council, like I spoke at the Truckee town council and helped vote like, Truckee as Truckee's a um Truckee's an incorporated town so they have a lot of power with what they do within their boundaries as mm -hmm. where I live in Tall City is not incorporated we're a part of Placer County right yeah we get nothing we get dicked over it's by hard the, yeah by the Auburn City Council yeah totally um but going there and speaking I remember standing there and like my hands were shaking and the paper in my hands was shaking and I like barely got the words out but I had everything written down and I knew I wanted to say it and I, I feel like now years later after having done it you know like now I show up and I can actually speak to it and like be a lot more confident with my voice mm -hmm. but practice it takes practice like picking up the phone to call people on the opposing party of you and like asking them and talking to them about politics is hard. Yeah, it sounds like my absolute nightmare actually. Right? <laughs> but so like scary. when you put yourself through those challenges and those vulnerable situations, it helps me to grow. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. And then it gets easier and easier with time. I don't know. You should try it. I would, I feel like um, I'm like so excited. To, okay, not, not so excited, but I'm really I'm looking forward to, not looking forward, one day I will be kicked off the world tour. And I don't think that that's going to be an incredible heartbreaker because it will be, obviously. It'll be like, it's super fun. And it's like an incredible opportunity. And I feel like it's giving me a lot of like social power. And I feel like I'm building a platform. But then I'm like, but what am I building a platform for if I have zero time to do anything that I actually care about? Like, I really, I would just, I want to go like work. I would love to get more involved in like the accessibility scene and be able to like, like I applied to like so many different programs this year to like, hey, my gosh, can I come like try and get some more kids out in the mountains? And they're like, yeah, are you available from this date to this day? I'm like, no, no. Mm -hmm. obviously, obviously you're not gonna be able to do that during the winter time. So I think I'm like, I'm not looking forward to being kicked off the tour, um, but I definitely think it'll be like, it'll be, an, it'll be nice to have time to like actually 
pursue the things that I care about and not just be like some mouthpiece speaker, just like shouting opinions and then not having lots of actions to support those right. opinions. Like to do the work. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to having, I'm really looking forward to like growing my career and being able to have the time to do the work. That's what's really, yeah. Yeah. I think that comes with time too. And honestly, like that's one of the things that I'll like I find myself all of a sudden bending over backwards to do that kind of work, or I'm not saying like exactly what you're saying, but for example, when COVID hit, I like helped arrange an auction because of the resources that we have and the people that we know. I'm like, okay, I can arrange an auction to help pay for people who can't afford rent right now and help pay for their meals. And we organized, I think we made like I don't know, we like just off of the local professional athletes auctioned off over $10,000 worth of gear and fed so many people and paid for so many people's rents with that. Like it was really cool and it actually didn't take a ton of effort, but that stuff's fulfilling and it'll help. That's like always been a part of my career that like if you can do that for your local community or for a global community, like that makes me a better skier. Mm -hmm. I think you'll find time with time. I'll find time with time. You'll find time with That's time. Good advice. Interrupting this episode to thank our sponsor, Palisades. We currently have a deep, deep snowpack, and Palisades has been providing. Huge shout out to the operations team, the ski patrol, everyone that works there. Thank you for the good times. Some of my best days of the year have been lapping the notorious KT22 lift, getting free refills with friends. Gaffney's out there living his best life, jumping cliffs and doing backflips in his 50s. And uh, yeah, Palisades has two new lifts spinning right now, including the base-to-base -base gondola from Palisades up and over the mountain to Alpine. And they just got the new Red Dog lift spinning. It is now a six pack accessing some of the very best tree skiing in North America. Name another lift that has better tree skiing. I dare you. I'm waiting. Okay. Anyways, this mountain has been producing countless professional athletes and attracts pros because the terrain. And now with the base to base gondola, you basically get two mountains for one. Lastly, I'd like to thank Arcteryx. Arcteryx is building something beautiful, or I should say they've built something beautiful and now they're refining it. This company is pushing the envelope on what you can do to close the loop on sustainability with their Rebird program. You can send in your unused gear and they'll resell it and send you a gift card. And I think almost more importantly, their gear is just built to last. I've been doing a lot of storm riding lately and there's no better way to test your gear than compare it to others. And I've got, I had a dry butt this whole time but I can't say that for all of my friends. Um, <laughs> it's just the best gear, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. It's the highest performing gear and it's made to last for plenty of adventures, stormy pow days or wherever your jacket may take you. Yeah, well, it just, it does. You sort out what your priorities are and then sometimes going the extra mile doesn't break you. You're like, I can take this on. This is something that's like driven by passion and empathize with other people that aren't in your situation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I see myself in you a lot. Like I remember having a conversation a few years ago with you about like, why do I deserve this? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you still feel that way? Um, I don't think, I think deserve is not, that's not a word that I associate with like anything to do with skiing because anything that you achieve through skiing, you're not like inherently deserve it. I like, I don't know, any skill is just a financial resource, you know, because you've been able to pour time into it. And so the idea of being deserving is not, and that's not where, I think it's just like, you know, what I've just had that. I, I don't feel deserving because I just happen to have had more time to be skiing than a lot of other people because I didn't have to 
work to help my family pay rent from a young age. And my parents let me borrow their car to go do the qualifiers and help me pay my comp fees. Like, yeah. Like I, so I, I still actually don't feel very deserving. And I think that that's like a main motivator behind. I just, I, I, I would love to, I, I'm just really looking forward to being able to do more stuff to make sports more accessible and to make skiing more accessible and to find all of these different things that I can use like this like new kind of platform that I want to build and that I'm building to do like real good changes in the world and just small acts that affect people's lives in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So I feel like almost feeling like undeserving makes me, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like, you didn't like that word deserving. I just don't think, yeah, I think that skiing is a very, it's a very privileged position to be good at skiing because you've had to totally, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, you have to use that privilege in some kind of way to do good in the world. And so I feel like even more guilt of like, oh my gosh, now I'm all of a sudden sucked into this stupid career. I want to get out of the career so I can go help people and do things. Yeah, totally. I Well, I guess what I'm saying is like, I see myself and you in that when I was younger and just getting into it, like mm-hmm. I felt those same feelings. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do I do this? Like it doesn't, it feels selfish. It feels me, me, me. And that, and it still is to an extent. Mm-hmm. But I think that you can offset it with, yeah, doing good. Yeah, not just offset. You don't just offset. You use, you genuinely just like, you like generate power out of the power that you are given. Once you recognize that and you can leverage your privilege, mm-hmm. I think that's like an important part of it. I, I love seeing athletes leveraging their privilege and, and recognizing that it is a privilege and that every day in the mountains is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, I like seeing what people do with that. I think it is really powerful and it motivates me to do do good too. So you're in school for social welfare. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm actually going to change it to, I'm like, I think I'm going to double major in social welfare and political science just because I don't feel like I'm like, I'm like, the system is rooted in everything evil and capitalism is the root of human suffering, but also I need to know more about it. And I feel like I'm like not getting enough deep and dirty about the institution on my own time. And I would like to, so I'm going to go more into political science so I can I don't know, I feel like get more down and dirty with the, yeah, with the laws and policies that corrupt our society. Yeah. Keep us all under the thumb of the man. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, we kind of flash forward it a little bit, but you grew up here, you skied at Palisades and you started competing when you were 12. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you went and you won the qualifier circuit, which then got you placed into the Freeride World Tour. Can you talk about your experience of like all of a sudden being in this space that you didn't necessarily anticipate yourself being in? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I, I just felt so undeserving and so silly and just like lucky and um, awful about myself, honestly, because there are so many people who like the world tour is, it's like the, it's the dream on the horizon. And mm-hmm. like, that's what they're working towards for years and years of their life. And they put their, like so much of their time and their money and their like passion into just like trying to get on the tour. And I felt like, I felt like such a dick because I just like happened to have like a really good, like whatever, there's like the new generation of like all the kids who went through the comp circuit and who just like had this intrinsic knowledge of like building a line. 
And so I felt like a, I felt like a real schmuck, to be honest. I felt like a real asshole when I first got on. Um, and then I went and did the tour and then I realized that that was actually kind of silly and stupid because I, I actually, I have poured a lot of time into it, even if it, even if it was my youth time and my childhood time, you know, I still did like, I did, I still have always wanted to like be the best version of myself that I can be. And I've always pushed myself incredibly hard. And so like, I feel like going on, on the world tour, it kind of made me realize that uh, like everyone, I don't know, that I am deserving of like just self-compassion and like patience and um, support for myself and that hating yourself for like accomplishing things or just like, I don't know, doubting that you deserve opportunities isn't, it's got, it doesn't do anything for anyone. Mm -hmm. And like, all you can do is like uplift other women. And like, if you hear, I don't know, all I can do is like, oh, you need a ski sponsor? Here, I use this number and I have a connection for that. Or like, oh, you want to go filming with this person? Oh my gosh, here's this like name of this filmer. Like, here's their contact. Like, so it, yeah, I don't know. Initially, it made me hate myself and it made me feel like I was incredibly undeserving. Um, mm -hmm. And then I realized that I'm actually quite good, like for my age and that I only have time to grow and get even like get become the version of myself that I want to be. And so it made me realize that I don't know. It's just nice to be able to support other people and it doesn't always have to be about hating yourself. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because if it is, it, 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 you get sunken into this space that's not healthy for anyone and there's no progress there or growth there. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. feel like I like motivated, like my motivation to get better for the longest time was out of like self-loathing. And I, I don't know if a lot of people do that, but just out of like anytime I was just like such a negative person to be around skiing because like no matter what I would do, like... And I honestly do think it stems from like like the patriarchy and misogyny because just like your entire life, you're you're never you're always skiing with these people and they're your friends, they're your male peers, and like I have so much fun and I like love skiing with them, but no matter what I do, I'm never as good as them. And like they will, you know, whatever, like they'll I'll do like a three off a jump and I'm like, oh my god, I am so proud of myself. That was incredible. And then they do a backflip or like they do like a cork or a double backy. And then I'm like, well, you're never going to be able to do that. You're like, you're, you're just useless. You, you're, you need to work harder. You are nothing like you, you are never going to be as good as these men. And so like, it doesn't even matter what you're accomplishing. And so I feel like I like motivated out of like self-loathing, like that just kind of stemmed from like a loathing of being a woman and like always feeling like no matter what I did, it was never going to be good enough. And I feel like that's something I kind of, like unpacked with Jess a lot, uh, Jess Hodder, she's like won the tour. We talked a lot about over the summer about just like motivating from a place of like love and compassion and that like just like negative reinforcement doesn't build neuro new neural pathways in your brain. It just like keeps you down. It's never gonna, it's never gonna make you a better skier or a better person. And so it's like kind of like a radical act of like feminism and just like self-love and compassion to constantly be praising yourself for small accomplishments or big accomplishments, especially like, yeah, even if like men are, men are always probably going to be a little bit better than me. And I used to like, I have this goal, this hard set goal of like, I will learn this many tricks in a year. And then one day, like five years from now, 
I will be as good as an 18-year-old boy, and then one day I will catch up to the 22-year-old boys. And I probably never will. I will probably never be as good as like some of the best 20-year-old boys in men in the country or in the world. Um, but all I can do is like try to be the best, absolute, absolute best version of myself. And that will only come from like letting go of guilt and self-loathing. Mm-hmm. I like how like these your, the answers you're delivering start in this space and they come like fully circular back to like self-love and being the best version of yourself. I think, yeah, when I grew up, I was the only girl on so many different photo shoots. So you can't help but compare yourself to what the guys are doing. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at I'm like, OK, if they're hitting that size cliff, I should probably hit something a little bit smaller. And I think it like really held me back. Like the first times that I got to be in the mountains with other women, I surprised myself with my confidence and it like just helped me to level up because I wasn't comparing myself to guys. We were mm -hmm. uplifting each other and it like was really beautiful experiences for the most part of my career. Like every time I got to be in the mountains with women, it like, yeah, made me level up. It is crazy that you don't, you don't realize that like sinking, I don't realize like that sinking kind of like weight in my chest until I'm not skiing around other, I'm not skiing around men. I don't even realize it until I'm just like just out in nature with women and like not comparing myself. Mm -hmm. Like it's to I feel like even even though I am conscious of the fact that like that I am comparing myself to men, I just can't. I will never I won't I don't think I'll ever be able to stop doing it. And so you really can just like you can be conscious of it, but then like take time and just, you know, be in female spaces. Yeah, I think you'll be able to stop one day. Yeah, wait, tell me about that. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you just get to this point where you recognize that like, well, I don't know. Okay, I never competed on the Freeride World Tour. I did slope style and half pipe and I was a ski racer before that, all competitive aspects of skiing. And then when I walked away from that, it was a really conscious decision to like skiing is my biggest passion. So I didn't want to necessarily, I enjoyed the people I was around when I was competing. I enjoyed the progression that I felt when I was riding with those people, but I didn't really care about the podium. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, duh, it doesn't make you a better person if you win or you lose. Mm -hmm. So then I stopped putting weight on that. And I was like, I don't think the space is for me. I want to go ski powder with friends. And like slowly I've been kind of coming to this place where like, I don't care if I stomped a huge cliff anymore. Like I just want to have fun and everything that I do on skis, I want it to be a reflection of that. Like, I just want to have the most fun I possibly can. If the conditions are shit, I can go out there and work on my turn or I can like chisel down some steep line in less than marginal, marginal conditions and like improve. And it brings a huge smile to my face, but I'm not getting extra rad or I can go on a hike with my mom and have a picnic like 300 feet up from the parking lot and like she's so psyched and I'm so psyched and like those moments of joy carry way more weight to me than like winning best female performance or something like it best female performance Michelle <laughs> Parker shout out to that award still sick award yeah <laughs> it just changes your perspective changes as you get older mm -hmm. but like to push the sport hell yeah I wanted to like be the best version of myself. And I was like driving at that for a really long time. I think it's just like with age maybe. Did like you feel like just like being like one of the only women like at that, I don't know, one of the only women in that high level space at the time, like there was a huge amount of pressure to like push the sport? Yeah, I think so for sure. I think I constantly felt like I needed to prove my like worth in being invited on those photo shoots or being invited to film with someone. I felt like I needed to show up and do really good. 
which mm-hmm. probably like lit a fire underneath my butt and I, I showed up and I did as best as I could but simultaneously I don't think it bred the best like culture at that time mm-hmm. like it it didn't it like society and our sport pinned women against each other mm-hmm. and that was something that I really had to like consciously make an effort to shed Mm-hmm. Because I started to realize, like, when I was competing in slope style, I'd be, like, riding with these people all the time, and then we'd be at the start gate, and they wouldn't even look at me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that feels really bad. Like, I don't want to show up for people like that. I just want to be supportive. Mm-hmm. And coming from the team sports, like, my dad always instilled in me sportsmanship, sportswomanship, sportspersonship. Sportspersonship. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that became something that was, like, really inherently important to me. But, yeah, I think... I don't know if I answered your question there. Did oh, I? I actually can't remember the question. I got so sucked into <laughs> Did that. Did you have to yeah, like prove yourself? Answer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. but you, I had to like really make a conscious effort and I still do on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I feel any sort of, I don't know, like if you have a thought that's not positive about someone else, like I'm like, okay, that's like obviously triggering something within me that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. And like with other women in the mountains, like, man, celebrate that like they're your family member yeah. and you're so psyched when they do something. And I feel that so genuinely now, like, mm-hmm. wow, it's so cool to see women in the mountains on the level that y'all are doing it now. And like, it's so cool to be out there with each other and lifting each other up, I think. But it took a long time to get there. I don't think I'm there yet. I think that I really want to be there. Yeah. And I am like genuinely so, so supportive of all the women that I ski with, but still like, beneath that like every time they land a cliff that is something that I wasn't able to do I'm like oh I can't believe you're better than me like it's still like it's definitely still like bred into me just like that like pitting just like being pitted I think it was like growing up in comps too Mm -hmm. just like yeah constantly being pitted against other women and like it just it makes me so it's like such a tough clash it's such a tough clash and I really really want to unlearn that because I feel like I'm very conscious of like I know that that is that is an, a terrible, disgusting thing created by the patriarchy to just like keep other women down is me comparing myself to them. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I, I think comparing ourselves to anyone, right? Like we're all our own individual, mm-hmm. and like it's almost impossible, especially with social media, not to bring the conversation back to that, but to not compare yourself to others mm-hmm. or see what they're doing and take it as like the full truth because mm-hmm. there's so much behind the screen of your phone, but. I think just comparing ourselves to anyone is really unhealthy. Yeah. I think comparing my, like, value to other people. I do, like, compare myself as far as, like, oh, look at that girl doing a triple backflip. God damn, that would be cool to learn. I should try to learn doubles this year. Like, like I would love to, like, be able to just, like, compare from a place of, like, inspiration instead of just, like, yeah. like self-deprivation. Um, or not deprivation, deprecation. Yeah. 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 I mean, skiing in the backcountry with Elise, for example, like, when I saw her hit a big cliff, it would totally motivate me to go hit a big cliff. Mm-hmm. And we would talk about it. And I'd be like, what does it feel like? And she'd be like, it feels just the same as the other cliffs. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, sweet. I'm going to go do it. But we had this, like, that was just one relationship that I always reference. Because I'm like, we had this the coolest, like, leveling up together when mm-hmm. we were out there. And I genuinely felt like it was from this place of, like, like you're saying, like, this positive, you're comparing yourself. But it's, like, helping both of you to level up. Mm-hmm which I didn't have for the first part of my career because you were the only girl. Well, that sounds terrible and lonely. <laughs> I hate being the only girl in any situation. I'm like, none of these people are funny. And 
Yeah, and they're... Men are not as funny. <laughs> they're just not as funny, and you're not as conscious of the world. Yeah, which I hope is changing. I hope you don't find yourself as the only female out there sometimes. I mean, I feel like you're always... I feel like there's always going to be, like, times when you're, like, the only girl in a group of guys if you do outdoor sports. Like, you have to, like, really go out of your way to, like... It's really hard to make an all-girl version of something or an all-girl group. But mm-hmm. you, I feel like the default is just, like, you and then four of your male friends you know yeah yeah it happens for sure yeah so when you all of a sudden are on the big stage you're in the free ride world tour what was your first competition like like mentally physically how did it go um oh i was incredibly scared um actually actually okay you know what you know what you know what i was not as anxious for that competition as i was for the competitions as a kid because as a kid I was like so intense about it. And it definitely was before I learned that nobody actually cares about free ride. Not that many people actually care about free ride. It's just like, okay, it's before I learned that you are in control of your body and your anxiety. And I would just get so, so, so anxious for like comps as a kid where I would be like, I like threw up before like quite often and I like wouldn't sleep for days. And so honestly, I was like, I was so much less anxious for every single world tour comp than I was as a kid. And it was just because I realized like, oh, you are anxious for the anxiety that you will, that you will feel. You are not actually anxious for the scary thing, you know? And I feel like I've been able to like apply that to a lot of things in my life where like, you are not actually anxious about like, you're not actually anxious about going back to school. You're anxious for like the anxiety of, of that thing, you know, mm-hmm. where like your your brain kind of tricks you into thinking that you're scared of something when you're really just afraid of like the possible fear that your brain might feel. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I actually I was like a little scared, but I had like very consciously decided that like um, I was going to focus really, really hard on just having fun because you get to travel to, to cool places for cheap, which was a cool experience. So it was like um, not as nerve wracking as I thought it was going to be. And, That's awesome. And I think it was all just because I was like, you know, competitions are stupid and nobody actually watches this except for a couple people on YouTube sometimes. And no one's going to remember you in 10 years. And so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, you can totally. just, so you can just have fun. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's the point of this anyways? It is just to have fun. Yeah, there is no point. But it does feel, it feels important because then there's that, like, you know, there's all, like, the fancy Frenchmen and they're, like, talking to the camera and saying, like, yes, your conditions are very bad. And it's like, is this being broadcasted on, like, TV? Like, people watch this stuff? (laughs) Maybe it is kind of important somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) So you showed up with that mindset of just having fun and it paid off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel very grateful to be on the world tour, but also I think that competing is, like, the worst side of free ride. And it's kind of, I really wanted to stop competing after I graduated. Not really wanted to, but I was going to let it go because it wasn't important to me. And it's not, I don't, I think it's the worst, one of the worst spaces in the outdoor world is because it's just, it's like commercialized and it is incredibly media driven and there's just money and power and like just manipulation and there's all this competition and it pits women against women and it pits everyone against everyone. But then... Um, I totally lost my track of thought. Is that the reality of it? I don't know. I just think that, I I just think that it's like I, I really enjoy the community of skiing and the community of the freeride tour is super fun and I like will cherish the connections that I've made, and I think that the thing I'm most grateful about, other than you know like a cool platform to be able to like build some like 
like to get sponsors or to you know get some like oh I did this thing I've proven that I can ski can I get this film other than that like just like people I think people is the most important part of being a human being mm-hmm. community yeah community is the yeah. most important part of being a human being and so I feel like competition is just like it's just such a weird culture because like everyone the, everyone's favorite part of it is the people and we all like go just because whatever we're addicted to validation and adrenaline and we happen to have a cool opportunity but um I just think that I think the competitions are kind of they're my least favorite part of the skiing industry and I would love to not have a career in competing if you know when I have the ability to just focus on doing good good things in my community and having lots of fun and making films and doing cool projects mm-hmm. that I care, actually care about yeah but this is a great starting point yeah I'm very grateful for like the social capital and the connections that I have made with people yeah but I think it's I think it's a it's a very silly thing because getting on the Fred Tour World Tour doesn't mean that you're like the best skier in America or doesn't mean that you're like one of the best skiers in the world. It just means that you like happen to be someone who's passionate about competing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't think it actually carries that much weight in the real world, but the fake social weight that it carries is kind of, it's kind of important for like, yeah. Yeah. So do you like it or do you not? I do love it. Yeah. I do yeah. love it. I just, um, I think that I think just competition in general has a lot of flaws and I think that anything that's driven by money is not going to be I don't know it's not like it's like doing this incredible service in the world Mm -hmm. it's just generating more money and content um and then it you know it does do this service of like it uplifts a lot of like rookie skiers um you know and inspires a lot of people too it does inspire a lot of people but I don't know I don't I don't see it as like an incredible like light force in the universe i think it's it's just like something i don't know yeah to channel energy into yeah yeah fair but i, I do think... love it because parties are fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally i bet they are i've never been i've always wondered i never got the invite you should come to the kicking quest one i just i almost honestly wanted to go on tour with you last year oh my god <laughs> just you go to every stop with you <laughs> yeah with exactly just be your ski caddy that would be fun <laughs> today these are the skis for you oh, <laughs> i've waxed awesome. them i've tuned them here oh you go lil <laughs> to get a ski waxer i will be <laughs> you're just gonna be a ski waxer yeah. yeah i thought about it for sure whatever yeah, black crow's paying you i'll match it <laughs> But not really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't I love it. Um, okay, so you showed up, like, but was it a surprise to you when you won Kicking Horse? How did um, that feel? That felt felt very validating because I feel like I've always thought that I was like I was like oh I think that I'm special I think that I deserve you know I feel like I deserve to like be good at things when I put a lot of work into them. Um, but it was like it was definitely a huge surprise because I didn't go into it with the intention of winning anything because I was like I'm just 19, super happy to be here, guys. <laughs> this is like so fun. Yeah, <laughs> um, super stoked. Um, I don't know, very surprising, um, but definitely made me like want to. It made me want to believe in myself and support myself in a better way after that. Just like the feeling of doing something that you're really incredibly proud of mm-hmm. and put an incredible amount of time into getting ready for that was that was incredible for sure yeah 
And then also I got like a whole bottle of champagne, so I was feeling really good. <laughs> Did you get to shake it and spray it and everything? Yeah, I shaked yes. a lot of it. I drank a lot of it too, so I was like really feeling good. Yes. <laughs> and your mom was there and Emily was there. Oh my God, yeah, and my mom was there. Yeah, that was like the cherry on top was that my mom and her best friend were there and they like don't broadcast anything from the bottom of any of the venues. It's like a terrible, terrible spectator sport. No one knows what's going on because no one can see the scores. And so, you know, you're like sitting in like the ski throne and they had no idea. Oh yeah, and they would like, they had this like, this like, like um, system of like figuring out whether or not I was like still in first the whole time where like Emily would like run up and she's like, she's still in the chair, she's still in the chair. And then my mom would yell like someone else and like, she's still in the chair, you know? <laughs> so that was like, it was just like, yeah, the drama of it was really fun having my mom there. Um, so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And when you were like standing on top, are you afraid about what you're about to do? Or are you like full confidence? I know my line. I know exactly what I'm doing. And there's no like second guessing that. I don't know. Are you afraid when you're about to like drop into like big Alaska spines? That's like way scarier. Do you get afraid? Uh, I mean, there's fear for sure. But I think like separating the actual fear, like if the if there's avalanche danger or whatever the actual fear is, like that's an actual fear that you should be afraid of mm-hmm. from the fear that you make up. Like being able mm-hmm. to recognize which is which and separate mm-hmm. those is super important. But when I'm like about to drop into a line, no, I'm like fully confident in what I'm about to do because I know every single turn that I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to do and I have a plan A and I have a plan B. If something goes wrong, this is my exit. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, that moment, like I don't like to drop in unless I'm fully confident in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps dissipate that fear a little bit. Being in, in control. Yeah, mean? having like that process of visualizing everything and then coming to a place of full confidence. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not confident, then I'll pull myself off of it. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to, if I drop into something and I'm not confident, that's when I either fall or get hurt. And like that happens almost to a T every single time. Hmm. Yeah, that makes, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like the only time that I fell on the tour was like on the back when I was like, I am not qualified to be here. This is way above my skiing ability. And it wasn't, but because I like had this like thought in my head, I like yeah. immediately caught an edge and like no way. almost, oh yeah. There's like, yeah, there's like the tunnel, you know, where you're just like, they don't show it on the camera, but you're like over like 60 feet of exposure. And they're like, they don't even tell you about that part either. They're just like, so the, the venue is down there. You just need to get to it. And you're like, oh, you mean you have to like ski through the funnel to the, over the 60 feet of exposure. But yeah, I feel like, yeah, just like thinking, yeah, just lacking confidence in yourself is like when you make mistakes. Totally. I wonder if there's a trick. I'm sure we have the trick. We've like probably established it from doing it time and time again of like gaining that confidence. I don't know but then I don't know like last year I fell on a line on Alaska and I was super jet lagged I had flown from France and went straight there and then it was like full-on best day I've ever had and it was like 5 p.m. jet lag was hitting a ton and I'm standing on top of this thing and it was there was a mandatory air where I was gonna go mm-hmm. so like you had to ski this line you had to stay above your in front of your slough mm-hmm. and then hit this air to exit it and I was like standing there I was like I've got this I totally know I've got this but I'm so tired and then I started getting in my head and like before I dropped I was like I don't know how this is gonna go and I went anyways mm-hmm. because you I mean I'm not perfect like I'm trying to practice this but like I yeah and I totally like saw my slough and like pointed it off the wrong side of the cliff and like punched front and it was all good like it was a safe fall but it was kind of scary and a nice little reminder like don't drop in unless you're totally feeling it mm-hmm. yeah 
We should tell that to the world tour people. Yeah, don't make us drop unless we're, like, super ready, bro. Why don't you let us cut ourselves in? (laughs) Well, I often wonder this, too. Like, there's a lot of competing with nature. And on these Mm. huge mountains that are, like, nature is super powerful. Mm -hmm. And is it okay to be competing in nature? And, like, is that something, like, I mean, we do it all the time, right? It's, like, a huge part of our culture. Mm -hmm. But I always wonder that, I guess. I feel like it is crazy, like, um, like that so many outdoorsy people who have dedicated their lives to being in nature, I feel like we almost, like, see ourselves as, like, separate from the nature. If that, you know, like, we're, we're just, like, not really connected. I feel like I'm, like, trying to get more connected with the mountains and, like, just, like, trying to, like, get more into it because, like, it does feel like you're almost just, like, it's just me. It's just me in, like, the mountains, but you're not thinking about just, like, every single little bump in the snow is like this gorgeous little like gift from the universe and like every single like snowflake is this gorgeous miracle and oh my god there's this sky there and that sky is so beautiful but it's just like I feel like when you just like make a sport out of it like you have to like really consciously like connect with nature you know mm-hmm. yeah competition with nature that's a good way to think about it I haven't thought about it that I've always wondered it because I don't know yeah like my most, like what brings me the most joy, what fuels me is like taking a walk in the mountains and mm-hmm. it's the people that I'm with and it's all those little things, the snow crystals on the surface of the snow, the way that the snow is hanging in the trees, the mm-hmm. light, mm-hmm. the like, I don't know, the sun rays, whatever it is, the, the like wind hitting your face. Like when I'm out there and I'm walking up a mountain, I feel all of that and that like refuels me. And you have, like when you're accessing stuff via human power or if you're like going out into the backcountry every single day you have to be connected to nature Mm -hmm. like that is a part of being able to do that to Mm -hmm. me like I follow the weather like a hawk I journal about it I write about the layers in the snowpack because I want to be connected with that nature Mm -hmm. and if I skip a day then I'm like oh I feel like distant but like plugging back into that like that that's what fuels me mm-hmm. and like the further i can get from society like on these big multi-day trips or on expeditions where you don't have cell phone service like that connectivity like it feels like that's where i'm the best version of myself mm-hmm. and so when i think about all these different elements of our sport and competing and filming and like you're toying with nature like it's this interesting push and pull for me internally mm-hmm. of like is this okay i don't know yeah, I feel like I'm, like, exploiting. And that's, like, one of the reasons that I, like, think that competition is, like, this, like, weird, like, subgenre of fear writing that, like, because it, it totally disconnects people from nature. It's not about the nature at all, you know? Like, filming is at least about, like, there's some cinematography behind just, like, appreciating the mountains and, like, appreciate, like, you know, the shots of the bird flying over. The classic, it's art, too. Yeah, it's art. It's art celebrating nature. And then competition is just, like, how can we utilize this resource to do some sick shit? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. yeah. I wonder if there's a way for you to feel more connected with nature when you're competing. This is actually like, this is so helpful. I haven't thought about this at all. That's a really, really good, that's a really good goal for this year. Yeah. To, could how be can cool. you get more connected with nature in the comp scene? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like when you're so in tune with the snow and like, the snowpack on every different aspect and elevation, like that probably that like certainly is something that I tune into when I'm filming. Uh, I think I'm just gonna eat more snow, actually. <laughs> I think that's actually I've come up with a much easier solution. <laughs> there you go. Eat it. It is a part of you. Yes. You are what you eat. Yeah. Just eat more snow, maybe. <laughs> yes. Or maybe also follow the snowpack more intensely. That's probably something I should be doing anyways. 
Um, so going into last year, you mentioned that you were like training really, really hard and skiing seven days a week and doing a thing. Is there a different new approach that you're taking into this season? Uh, not so far. No. Oh, wow. I feel this is like a therapy session. I haven't even thought about that. No, it's just going into it with the, you need to train every single day and be strong. But now that you've mentioned it, I'm also going to be meditating at the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll add that in. Um, Let's think. No, I feel like um, I feel like every year your like self healing practices and just like your way of taking care of your own body changes and grows and you're just like building upon it. Um, I haven't been super conscious this year about taking good care of my own self, but I would. I feel like during during the ski season, I feel like it's almost like you have to mm-hmm. just because you're like abusing your body so often that you have to take a lot more time. Yeah, and also that competition is like super, super draining and incredibly terrifying and it takes a lot of mental energy. So I'm actually really looking forward to like the mental fortifying that I have to do in the next like month or so to just get in a really good place. Um, so no, I haven't really changed my method other than sometimes I put rock, I put crystals in my pocket and I'll like take them out and look at them and be like, you keep me safe, little buddy. We are connected. <laughs> we are one carbon. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to be more witchy. I'm trying to be more hippie and get more connected with weird superstitious practices because I think that's fun. And what are your favorite practices? Weird superstitious practices? Yeah. Um... Let's think. Well, I always have to like make a snowball out of the snow on my skis and throw it off the chair before a competition. That's important to me. Special underwear for sure. I always have to have like a minimum of three crystals in my pocket. Um, I do think just like taking moments with yourself um, to meditate. I think that's, well, it's not what's superstitious, but it is a little witchy. Um, I don't know. Taking things less seriously. I think this year, that's my goal for the season. I've got a new one for you. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it'll resonate with you, but it hit me so hard. And I just learned it. Mm. It is, there's no rules. And you just take yourself for 30 minutes and set a timer on your phone, but you can't look at your phone. Okay. And you just sit. The no rules. You're not paying attention to your breath. You're not saying a mantra. You're not like meditating, quote Hmm. unquote. I'm doing air quotes right now. Oh, yeah. But you're just 30 minutes chilling by yourself and let your mind do whatever the hell it wants to do. Oh, that sounds nice. Am I allowed to have like markers in a journal or do I have to like just be sitting? Yeah, if you want to, I think there's no rules. Oh yeah, that's right, there's no rules. <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever you want, but it's 30 minutes uh-huh. of like designated quiet time. For me, I did it while watching the sunset and I it was the quietest my mind's ever gotten. Hmm. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I don't have these rules saying that I have to like inhale, hold for four, exhale hold for four or like my mind wasn't repeating a mantra trying to stay super focused like I just let my mind do whatever it was going to do and it came to a complete like silence Mm -hmm. and I was like that was so cool to try that okay (laughs) unstructured (laughs) meditation yeah okay well I don't know how how deep into you into like a meditation practice are you um well I usually have to do breathing before I meditate because otherwise I'm not well um not that deep I just like I don't know I like meditate 15 minutes a day usually nice I'm just like I use an app though so I feel like I'm no yogi I just like put on the app and they're like you are one with your body (laughs) (laughs) you are connected with your feelings um I don't know I like that yeah you I sometimes am jokingly walking Aaron through a meditation I was like we should meditate close your eyes and then I like 
make up my own meditation and it's really fun. But we end up usually just like laughing hysterically. <laughs> That's what I, anytime I try to lead someone in a meditation, I'm just like, this is so, you sound ridiculous. What are you like? Yeah. <laughs> totally. You sound like, like, yeah, the weird yoga mom. Like, yeah. <laughs> I kind of like going all in. Going yeah. all in. Yeah. Yeah. Using all the hip phrases. Um, yeah. I like that 30 minutes of chill time. That's, That's been super idea. helpful. Cause you don't really allow yourself that time to just be. Well, just do you be. journal at all? I do. Yeah. And that's helpful. That's really helpful. Yeah, journaling is great. Yeah. Just get all the weird, weird thoughts out. And just like, I feel like it just helps you think. It's just thinking. Yeah, totally. And processing those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with your journals? Do you keep them all? I'm deciding. I'm deciding what to do with them because I have so many of them at this point. And they're, you know, they're just, it's not like I'm going to go back and read them because it's not like I'm journaling things that have happened to me. It's more just like, there is something evil inside my body. <laughs> you know, like I am angry today and I'm like, I don't want to read that. I don't know. What do you do with your journals? I have different journals that are for different things. So I have like my adventure journal, which is super small. It's maybe like four inches by four inches. And mm -hmm. I take that with me anytime I'm in the mountains. Like that one's really to like capture the stories and the feelings and like I don't know, the things that bring me a lot of joy. Sometimes they're troubling, but mm -hmm. mostly it's just like, I don't know, an adventure journal. And then I have another journal that's like, I don't, I would never read it again. Cause sometimes it's like rage writing or sometimes it's like, this is my self work homework that I'm doing or like mm -hmm. whatever it is, it's pretty sporadic. And then I have like just a straight up notebook and it's like the to-do list. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of journals. It's a lot of weight to carry when you're traveling, though. Yeah, I will. I just I have them all in like one journal, but that means that I can't throw the journal away. But then the journal also carries all of like the weird depressive episode spirals that you'd have like no interest in ever looking at. But I'm like, but this is the coolest picture of a dolphin that I've ever done in my life. I can't get rid of this. <laughs> totally. I think that's why I started separating them because I was mm -hmm. like, okay, this one's for like your actual journal. This one's like your adventure journal and it, it kind of helped. But then I don't even know where my adventure journal is right now, but that one I'll keep forever. That one's got good stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, when I climbed Denali with Cody Townsend, we shared a tent and it became a practice of ours that like every night we would read each other our journals. Oh, that's just delightful. Yeah. It was so special. And like his mom is a, is a writer like by trade she's mm -hmm. written multiple books now and it was a journalist for a really long time so like his way of writing and like listening to him like at first i'd be like we walked this many thousand vert and cody said this and i'm thinking about changing my socks tomorrow it was like <laughs> really lame and then like i was like oh you can actually get like so poetic and beautiful about what you're doing so it's changed my perception on journaling listening to him i guess oh he's he's like I think he's one of the coolest people in the entire like sports community. He's so sweet. I had no idea that he was so incredibly intelligent and like thoughtful and poetic and yeah, yeah, a delightful human being. I thought he was just a sports bro until I like met him in person. Yeah, that's awesome. I agree. He's kind of like an older brother. I've known him since I was like four. Little sister to him. I'm probably annoying to him. Yeah, did he ever bully you? I don't remember Cody. I remember being like the younger sister that always wanted to ski with them and not feeling totally accepted. Like they didn't really want me to ski with them, but then like now we ski together and it's cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when you're like 12 and you're like, oh, I want to ski with them. Yeah. You're the oh, annoying that, little that sister. That always hurts. Yeah. yeah. When the older kids don't let you ski with them. <laughs> totally. It, really, it still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I felt like I, I was like kind of a bit of an outcast when I was younger too. Like bullied a little bit, mostly. Really? By, yeah, yeah. 
it wasn't like like lots of days coming home from school crying and just not feeling like I fit in. Do you remember like what you were bullied for or like what made you feel like you like were a bit, I don't know, different or an outcast? Um, I was bullied because my teeth were too spaced apart. I was bullied because I was wearing secondhand gear rather than new gear. I can relate with that one, yeah. Yeah, totally, right? Like all these weird things. And so I kind of, and it was mostly coming from girls at that time. Mm-hmm. And I found like the guys were like way more accepting of me, which probably fed into that like weird feeling of when I was older in the industry of like, well, the girls I've never been like down with the girls. They always like made fun of me. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, overcoming that was like a process for me too. Mm-hmm. But then I cut my hair. My hair was cut like above my ears and I played baseball with the boys and my nickname was Mac. So the other teams didn't know that there was a girl on the team. And I really felt like that was my place. <laughs> I really, really did for the longest time when I was a kid. I was like, Michelle Parker is my queer hero. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You can be cultural. You could be a culturally queer hero at least. <laughs> no way. That's amazing. Yeah, like Madonna or something like that. Where you're like you're very special to the queer folks and we really appreciate you. You don't it's okay. We we you're one of us. <laughs> we I'm <we've> decided. <laughs> I'm so down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you haven't really changed what your like your practice is going into the season. But that was the working. question. That was what we were talking about. Uh, yeah, we've yeah. been going on tangents, which I really love. Great. Um, yeah, they're meaningful tangents. Yeah, I just can't think about things very well. I'm not very smart. Um, huh. No, I haven't changed things very much. I'm trying to be more in my body. I'm trying to be more appreciative of the experiences and the nature around me and the people, and trying to be more spontaneous. Trying to be more self loving. And I am trying to judge myself less based on the ability of my male peers. That's I like what I've that. changed. Yeah. That's good. That's a long list of change. Oh, God, you're right. I should probably narrow it down. <laughs> no way. We can always It's so work hard on. to focus on, like, one thing about yourself to change. I feel like, like, you know what I mean? When you're just, like, constantly trying to grow and you're like, I must be the ultimate version, the mega version of the ultimate self. But yeah. then there's, like, there's always, like, 10,000 things you can do better in your life. It's hard to just pick a couple. Yeah. I think being lighter on yourself, though, I'm always trying to work on that, mm-hmm. like being less judgmental. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy that judging yourself never makes you a better person. It just makes you like hate yourself more. That's like such it's a crazy not concept. Good. No, it's not good. Yeah. I remember last year redefining productivity for myself. What's your new definition of productivity? Well, before I was like, got to put out this film, got to do this, have this episode coming out, and then I'm going to do this and do that. And I was like, yeah, that feels really productive. And then I had this realization that I needed more rest. So like the most productive thing for me at times is taking a nap mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. just chilling, giving myself that 30 minutes of space mm-hmm. to feel that. Or yeah, putting the autoresponder on the email and being like, I'm checking out right now. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't manage this for my mental health. Because mm-hmm. if we aren't like mentally health, we're not as capable on our skis or we're not able to give back to the world in the way that we want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mental health is important. Mental hashtag mental health <laughs> is important. <laughs> yeah. It's like the most important. It's crazy that it's just like, it's okay. The idea, I think that the idea of even have like quote unquote, like mental health as like, it's like this thing. Mental health is like, it's the whole human experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like every single part of being a human being is like mental health. It's crazy that it's just like some little like subgenre of like self-help like stuff when it's like every single moment of every passing day, it's just a way that you relate to self- yourself and like a way that you have to like be alive in a human body. Yeah. Like being alive is mental health. That's just crazy. Yeah. 
It's like so important for sure. There needs to be more emphasis on it. Yeah. Do you feel like you're in a better mental space going into this year? Mm, oh yeah. Oh, I feel like every year I'm in a, I mean, ever since I've like started, like actually ever since I like had like a big old breakdown and was like, you need to reinvent yourself or you're going to kill yourself one day. I feel like every single year I'm like getting better and like more, yeah, more in love with myself and I love that. more in love with the world. Yeah. So yeah, I do think I'm in a better place. That's awesome. Yeah. Where do you see yourself like going with the free ride world tour? Like you want to do this for a few more years and then branch off and like film and do the thing or like, what do you, where do you, what's your vision? Oh, I would like to do it for as long as they let me. Um, as long as I qualify, I will continue to do it because it's super, super fun. And I've never been able to just like go with, ski with like a girl boss gang gang who are just like the gnarliest, like just, I don't know, it's just like this built-in girl boss gang gang mega thrash, which is super sick. Um, yeah, do you all go free riding and stuff? Yeah, we go like events? free riding oh. before and then you get to see all your ski heroes and you're like, oh my God, Elizabeth Garrison, you just told me that my shifties are cool. So yes. like, um, yeah, so we all do get to go skiing beforehand. Um, so yeah, I'll do it as long as I can, um, but I recognize that I will get kicked off and that one day I just like will crash a couple times. What Could if be this don't. year? Oh no, I will. Everyone does. Everyone gets kicked off. <laughs> Some people retire. Yeah, Hedvig Vessel, maybe. I'm not Hedvig Vessel though, so I don't need to worry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about having to retire one day. I'm just like, this could be, this is, I don't know, this could be the last year doing it. So I'm just excited to soak up the experience, um, gain as many connections and as many couches to sleep on in different foreign countries as I can. Um, and then, yeah, obviously I think I've expressed that I don't think competition is, that's my favorite thing in the world. I think it's, a, it's been, it's, I'm really excited to use this as a good platform to build myself into like a little mini like ski figure but I'd I'd love to get more into like philanthropy and film that's yeah that would be the dream yeah for sure and then simultaneously continuing to go to school at UC Berkeley oh god I forgot about that one yeah and then I have to graduate as well for sure goal is to graduate yeah how is that balance for you um I'm not very good at it I think there's some people who are really good at the school ski balance. Like Olivia um, McNeil, she was like doing school while on tour. Oh, wow. I know. She was up until like one, a, one or two, like most nights, like doing schoolwork and then also competing, which sounded awful. Um, I don't know. I feel like it was a nice little respite to like get away. Like 100. I'm kind of glad that I didn't go to a ski town for college because there's like skiing Lily and then there's like school Lily. And school Lily is just like, it's just... I don't know it's nice having like a little break from just like this crazy little micro universe of extreme sports mm -hmm. to like find yourself in and to just explore the parts of myself that I don't really get to explore when I am totally when I'm just like sucked into whatever like ski culture and like you need to utilize the powder gotta get out there dude you have to like use every single day to go make a cool nature experience and whatever I can go and do other things when I'm in school and I can get really into like reading anarchist literature and like I don't know it's I I think that balance is really nice um yeah because you're yeah. more than just a skier everybody's more than just a skier um <laughs> yeah I, I like the balance I like having like an alter ego who is not yeah yeah I like having this like random little alter ego who I have in school who just has lots of fun um being silly and studious and in no way competitive. That's nice. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I bet it's a good break. Yeah, I know I'm so in deep with action sports, but I love it. I love it so much. 
I love watching like women succeed in all aspects. I think about all the different sports as like being all together. Mm -hmm. Like all the women are together within mountain biking, climbing, like surfing, skateboarding, skiing, snowboarding. Like I'm like, we're all kind of in this together. We're all in action sports. So I feel like a lot of my downtime, I'm like in another action sport, mm -hmm. but it brings me a lot of joy. But also like when I'm doing the other action sport, oftentimes I'm like taking photos of it or like, I don't know trying to like figure out what the best way to support them is. And that brings me a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. But Aaron's introduced me to like a way different side of life that I hadn't really tapped into before meeting him, I think. Whether what, that's, what side of life, what do you mean? Like he has his place in Portland. And when we go up there, it's like, yeah, we might go ride our bike, but we're watching live music as much as possible. And we're going to museums and we're looking at art and we're mm -hmm. learning about different cultural things or I mean yeah experiencing culture in a very different way which I really appreciate the city alter ego is like I feel like it's a really fun little yeah fun little yeah, experience it is fun I don't know there's more to life than being in the mountains every single day even though I'm totolly obsessed with that yeah absolutely love that it gives me an absolute an incredible amount of joy and I'd love to incorporate like nature into every part of my existence but also it's nice to it's nice to be connected with people who sustain yourselves without that. You know what I mean? Like going to school without a bunch of naturey people mm -hmm. has been really incredible because I'm like, oh, you can do other things for your mental health other than go and do sports and get like endorphins. That's <laughs> so crazy. Please teach me all of them. Totally. So that's nice. I enjoy that. Are you gonna play guitar more? Mm, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just never want to see that part of Lily go away. Yes, I will be, get better at guitar. I want to learn more. Aaron's been teaching. Look at this steel drum he got me for Christmas. Oh, that's actually a really gorgeous it's steel drum. It's pretty chill. Are you going to get really into like the bongos and the steel drum now? I love drums. I think that that like, that's like the heartbeat of the earth. I don't know. But this one is like, uh, I haven't really figured out how to play it. It's just more like super meditative. Mm -hmm. When I play it, it's like, should I bring it over and play it for a second? Yeah. steel drum we'll see how it sounds on the mic i decided after receiving this that like anytime i play it it just like brings me to a happy place oh. right that's like it's like sound healing yeah it feels like sound yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've spent like easily 30 minutes just like playing different notes and I don't know any songs or anything. I don't know if it's meant to have songs. But... That's not meant for songs. Yeah. That's right. Meant for healing. Totally. Yeah. I've been digging it. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> he gets really cool gifts. I think it's made out of recycled something too. Also this bell. It's a hockey puck and a scuba tank. Oh, that's actually a very nifty use of a hockey puck and a scuba tank. Yeah. yeah. You ever ring it like right before dinner? Uh, yes, dinner bill sometimes, but it's more of a, that's like a routine ritual that I try to take with me on the road. Um, but you bring I, that bell on that massive 40-pound <laughs> bell on the road? Yeah. No, I don't bring that bell. But I do try to like set an intention for the day and ring that thing. And it just starts the day off on a positive note. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, Aaron and I will like do that with each other which is really nice. Annoy each other with bells or set No, intentions? like set an intention for the day. Got it. Yeah. 
And that could be as simple as like, I'm going to smile as much as possible. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. It is nice having an intention to live your life with. It's easy to get just sucked into like being alive. Yeah. <laughs> I think one thing that's super like I've been thinking about a lot lately is like just being super accepting of just being. You don't have to be anything. You just can be. And mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's what nature is. It just is. I have a hyperactive brain, so I'm not super chill with just being, but I can I can understand how that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? What else? I feel like we've like run out of things to talk about. I know. We're kind of like rambling a lot. I really dig it, though. All right. So for your world tour, good luck out there. Thank you very much. This I'm going to be rooting for you. I appreciate that a lot. I'll be thinking of you. Any shout outs to anybody? Uh, oh, yeah. Shout out to my mom and my dad. Always. Love and you. And to Cruz. And to Cruz. Yeah, sure. Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. My brother gets one too, but mostly my mom and my dad. <laughs> Always. Yes, I like that. Um, if there's one thing that you are really proud of yourself for, what would that be? Um, one thing that I'm really proud of myself for, uh, learning to, this is going to sound super cheesy, but learning to like love myself. It's not just like words. It's just like relating to yourself in a way where you can be alive. That's wanting to be alive because I love myself is I'm most proud of myself for that I love that thank you thank you so much for your time Will thank you Michelle this I has been, really yeah. enjoyed it <laughs> this was really fun actually yeah <laughs> this was really fun. awesome